Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Football Acker. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for f***ing years. So the contenders keep dropping away, lads. Um, dropping like flies as Dublin just march on. Um, nine in a row Leinsters, 14 out of 15 Leinsters. Um... Have to say, Keane Mead were deplorable. Um, I called it. Uh, definitely, the twelve-point handicap was a banker. Uh, one point in the first half was just, just terrible from Mead. Really, it was really terrible stuff. Even they, they competed around the field. Up front, they were atrocious. Is the only thing you, thing you could say about it. And like, I mean, when Dublin found their groove in the second half, like there was only one winner then. Yeah. Well, look, if you're if you're not getting scores, you're giving your team no energy at all, and. Mead had to put a lot of energy just to, you know, plug all the gaps and, and to compete with Dublin and stay close to them. And they ended up actually, they had way more possession in the game than I was expecting them to have. But yeah. look, Mead just couldn't make any inroads against Dublin defence that played Dublin. Dublin organised themselves very well in terms of getting a lot of bodies back. They didn't want to give Mead any hope whatsoever of nicking a goal or or making the game into anything other than what it needed to be for Dublin yeah. so they, they played a lot of bodies back and Mead had no answers to yeah, that Young really. Conlon up front on his own though like give me a break like Newman then hiding out around the half forward line was he told to go out there did he just go out there himself who knows like I mean well, either knows, way it's yeah. not a good scenario Yeah, well, look, you know, he either, had to stay in beside yeah he like, kind of did look, look I've spoken about it a good few times on this and you, you know you've asked me a few times why was I never raving about Mead like I've seen them play a lot and they have a lot of great qualities and they're absolutely maxing out in terms of their effort and endeavour and all those good things. But there's a there's a massive lack of quality when it comes to the attacking side of the game. Yeah. And that's the next step for me. Mead have a tough couple of weeks um, to get themselves ready for the next day. But if Mead make the Super 8s, Mead need to win one game. If Mead win one game and get to the Super 8s, their season has been a resounding success in terms of getting promotion to Division 1 and, and getting exposure to that level of football, which is what they need to develop. But yeah. they're by no means the finish, finished article. Ah, no, they're not. They're, not. they're, they're very, not. very limited. Four points it was the worst return in the Leinster final since, unfortunately, Leach lost to Dublin 10-4 in 1985. Um, defensively, they did well. They conceded 1-8 in the last uh, maybe 10-15 minutes. minutes yeah. And Dublin are doing that to every team. I'd love to know what porridge they're eating or what strength and conditioning programme they're doing because they're blow everyone except for Mayo cannot live with them physically and uh, power wise it's just that and everyone talks about the bench only Dean Rock made an impact off the bench it's not the bench it's their conditioning whatever the hell they're doing it's on a different level Me just look like a junior kind of team especially in the last 15 minutes but Mead I thought showed the way against Dublin in some regard up front they're brutal 
in defence. They didn't go ultra-defensive. They didn't drop off. They put pressure on Dublin all over the field. They gave them the option of the kick pass. They got loads of turnovers and joy out of Dublin because Dublin want to kick it, kick it in. That's their game. Dublin, if you retreat off Dublin, well, then they'll set up their thing on the outside of you and they'll pick you off. But Dublin don't want to play that game. They react to that game. So I thought Meade did show the way to the likes of a Kerry, who I still give a puncher's chance against Dublin, even though they're not great either, that if Clifford got 2-5 on his day and just hit the high, you know, that they might have forwards. Because if you give Dublin the kick pass on the other side, you'll get plenty of turnovers and it'll be an entertaining game. It's have you forwards to trouble Dublin. That's the only reason I give Kerry a puncher's chance. I give Donegal no chance the way they're playing unless they have another way of playing. But have you a fullback line that can can stay with those full forwards? As Kerry, well? no. But Kerry just have to hope that Clifford, Geeney and whoever else they have in there can outscore Mannion, Khan, and someone else. Yeah, and the, and the whole Mannion, team Khan, and and Costello. Yeah, Costello wasn't great yesterday. <coughs> now, in fairness, yeah, well, McGill was on him, wasn't it? Like, yeah. He was having he was having a good game, and you could see you're right. The first twenty minutes, um, I think Costello and Conor Callahan were both getting a bit frustrated because. The Meave backs were marking them from the front and the ball was being kicked in and the backs were winning it. And I sort of got sucked into like how I did against Leash or Leash against Dublin last year. And I was like, oh Jesus, there's something on here. Like, you know, Meave are having one of those days. Yeah. Dublin are off the boil, but ach, yeah, like, it just panned out. Dublin were just too strong and they just don't stop. The level doesn't dip in any way. No. And that's probably what the difference is in the last 10 minutes. No, it definitely is. Uh, Jim Gavin was his usual patronising self after the game. You don't know is it what game he's playing. Is he being honest here? Is it just a load of... Is this just... Is he's just naturally patronising. He says, when you've got two quality sides coming together, it's going to be nip and tuck. Nip and tuck. Um, everybody's looked at Mead coming into today's game. They're now a Division 1 side and that's great for Leinster. I think what surprised me was the scoreline in the end because I don't think it did Mead justice. That's patronising. Like, I mean, analyse the game properly. Dublin are, this is just a cakewalk of Leinster Championship and no one, it's nip and tuck with no one. Like, it's nip and tuck with no one. Dublin were completely off colour yesterday in the first half and still went in ahead and you still knew that in that last 20 minutes the handicap will be beaten. And it's just always happening in Leinster. And like, don't patronise anybody, Jim, because I think what Jim patronising people, I think Croke Park hierarchy might read that and want to believe it because they're not making good sounds this weekend we'll talk about that on Wednesday's show because we have a, a live show on Thursday so we'll do a show on Wednesday but what they've been talking about this weekend Tom Ryan John Horan at the draw this morning and being probed by none other than Marty Morrissey <laughs> like it's terrible they're telling other counties to come up to Dublin's level after the help they gave Dublin like it's outrageous it's just outrageous James McCarthy the only thing that would worry uh, Jim Gavin was he went off injured he looked in excruciating pain lads when he was coming off and he was kind of jogging on it they didn't show the incident they highlighted one part but that was after obviously he yeah, did it he was, was just trying he was already sore, yeah so, so we didn't see what ha- yeah but they've won all Ireland without Jack McCaffrey lads I'd go as far as to say if James McCarthy's out it won't make one yeah. bit of difference to them not one bit young Gavin will come in um, go in beside him and sure their backline would have stayed the same so like James McCarthy's one of the all time greats but like he's not even going to be a loss. Yeah. They've won all Irons with, without Rory O'Carroll. They've won all Irons without Jack McCaffrey. Connolly, you know, winning one won one last year without Connolly. For God's sake! <laughs> yeah, like, I, I mean, it's I, not a big. It's not. It's terrible to say that it's actually not a big loss. I think Cluxton's the only one that they really feel the loss. Maybe like, yeah. I think everybody else they can. Replace. Fenton, yeah, Fenton maybe is probably a big one too. Um, the plague of fisted points, <laughs> lads. We have to talk about this. This has gone to epidemic. Uh, uh, levels now to the point where Conor Brady's running through 
with only the goalkeeper to beat in an Ulster final as underdogs. You won't get a better opportunity here. You won't. What do you want? Do you want to rattle the net or do you want to fist it over the bar? He fisted it over the bar. Why did he do that? Cavan needed goals. When did he think he was going to get a better chance one-on-one with the goalkeeper? Go for it. The message has to be go for it. Jason McGee, Darrow Boyle and Young Gallen. Three for Donegal late on. The game was won. Put it to bloody bed. Jamie Brennan did it. All three hand passed over the bar. Uh, Paddy McBrearty tried a hand pass fist point in the first half and it went wide. There's more. Kieran Tracy for Mayo. Now he got a great goal in the league final at the end. Fisted over the bar. Aidan O'Shea had the point on. Aidan O'Shea gives a beautiful pass that I didn't think he had it in his locker back over his shoulder. He could have put it over the bar. He's given it to you to score a goal. He, he doesn't want you to fist it over the bar. But there's more. Brian Howard did it for Dublin. Jack McCaffrey did it for Dublin. Uh, like, I mean, Jamar Hall did it for Armagh. Charlie Vernon did it for Armagh, or for Armagh as well. A Kildare player did it that I can't think of right now. This is all in the one weekend, lads. Now, conservative football has gone to the level where they won't kick pass because it might not be on. And now are they all taking hand pass points because they, they don't want... To, I don't know, the stat of missing a goal chance. Is this what we're dealing with here? This is unreal in the same weekend. This has just been a bad weekend for me now after hearing all of those fisted <laughs> points and me getting such a trimming by the dubs. Yeah, look. Ah, look, you know my philosophy on this. I mean, if you're in that close to goal, it's moderately acceptable if you're coming in from an exceptionally tight angle and the context of the game means that a point is is massive in the game, like if it's a six points to five yeah. or something like that. But the thing they're doing from the tight angle, they're all throwing them over. Yeah, but None of them are actually even being fisted over. They're throwing them over and getting away with it. I think the fist, I genuinely believe this, that the fisted uh, point should be banned. What are we getting out of it? Would you not rather see goals there? Like a player would have to go for a goal in those situations. Is that much better? Like they're clearly getting chances... What what is it from a spectator's point of view to see a fella fisted over the bar? It's not hugely yeah, skillful. Yeah, I yeah, go with that. I'd be and happy enough to see it taken out. Of the I'd game, love yeah. to ban it. And yeah. plus, a lot of them are fouls. I think they were just a kick lot it over them. though, like you know. Um, they were Let them kick it over, but yeah. it, they definitely would have more of an opportunity to go for a goal than the, than the than if the fist pass was available. But I think that the, that rule you're talking about that that's been gone, scrapped the open hand pass. Like so, I think you're allowed to do that. Still doing You're allowed to do that now. Like yeah. you're allowed to open your hand. But what they're doing is they're not striking it with the hand. They're, they're just ah, throwing yeah, it with yeah. both hands over, especially from a tight angle. Yeah, I think I think players are just told like, there, there's more value in getting a point and missing a goal, and like and that's the way managers are. They're so conservative, and it's just drummed into players. I think, especially at club level. Do not miss a goal chance, like, or do not miss because if you give them the ball back, it's the same as dropping the ball short. Then they're going to counter attack and they're going to score. So there's more value in putting it over and getting set up again. And people seem to care more about that one point rather than missing uh, yeah. a goal. And it's, like, the, it's look, the whole he took the right option yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. commentary that used to go on. That's not the right option. Why did that creep into co-commentary? It's more since Kevin McStay kind when, of since thing. When is it the right option if you're one on one with the goalkeeper to not go it's for It's the goal. wrong option. It's always unless you're a point up correct. and you're, you're, you're the, the clock is going down. The context of the game decides whether it's yeah. the right or the wrong option. Yeah. You see, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, scoreboard analysis at the end of a game and you know, hindsight and people saying, you know, if you're in for three goal chances and you missed the three goal chances, that doesn't mean you shouldn't have gone for them. You should have bloody executed with them. Yeah. I mean, Cork had a number of goal chances. I'm sure we'd talk about it later. I mean, was it wrong for them to go for the goals? I, I don't believe it was. I think if you play 100 matches, 
you have to go for goal in all of those situations. And if you're the underdog, you absolutely have to. You know, now, you absolutely uh, have to. As at the scoreline at the end of the game will tell you that if Cork went for points with all of them, you know, maybe the scoreline is different. But, you know, you can't, I don't believe you can really look back on games in, the, in that manner. I think you have to look at it and say, you're clean through one-on-one with the goalkeeper. This is a massive goal-scoring opportunity. Now, we're not talking about taking pot shots for goal when they're not on. These are opportunities where you're clean through with the keeper. I think you have to you have to try and take that on. It's the same as a player not taking a point opportunity on and hand passing it to someone else. That's passing responsibility. It's passing the book. Like, and I I still think that uh, you have to take those chances when they do present themselves. Yeah. So Mayo kind of rode their luck, according to James Horan. He said we we rode our luck a good bit in the second half. I thought we did well in the first half, and once we got the goal, we just stood off them a little bit, and they caused us problems. Um, they definitely did because Mayo had them buried and then let them back to three points you know and that's pure Mayo just leaving their supporters have heart attacks I don't know what Kevin McKernan was doing for the Mayo for the Mayo goal um, he dived to prevent yeah, a sideline ball sideline, yeah. and it popped out just let it go over the line mate stand, in, stand goal side of it then and there's no danger but it ended up being a it's beautiful ball just the sort of thing that happens when you're chasing a game maybe it, maybe he was desperate to do it and then it was a lovely ball to Andy Moran wasn't it and then gave it to Loftus yeah he gave it to Loftus Loftus gave it oh Loftus gave a lovely dummy that he was going to pass yeah. to Andy Moran and then just ran it into the net so like I mean it was a great goal from Mayo and moved it that fast from that mistake, you know. But I don't know if Kevin McKernan, with that experience, should you shouldn't be diving. He's not diving to prevent a goal score. It was just yeah. a sideline ball, you know. The risk didn't outweigh the reward there. Yeah, he was diving. The keeper was coming off his line. It was just a series of errors that it was always going to be a goal the way both of them were yeah. behaving. Yeah, no, it was. Killian O'Connor, interestingly, didn't get on. He was asked about James Horn was asked about it. He said he's been out for a number of months. He's pushing. He's getting very close. It's a weird one. He must be getting little relapses on this, lads. You don't know behind the scenes what's happening, but you'd imagine he should have been back by now and he hasn't been back by now. So we don't really know what's happening there. They're going to need everybody back, Mayo. There's no doubt about that. So there's two Kerry moments of madness in the game in um, Cork on Saturday night. This was a great game. Um, The best of them all by a mile. Paul Geaney, what was he thinking? Stupid leader, 50 minutes to go. Gets, ends up getting a black card. It wasn't a black, it was a second yellow. So there's no way of there's no way it wasn't a sending off. He was already on a yellow. So why is he doing that? Now, the Cork player, I can't think who it was at the time, he totally... Uh, made a meal of he it, totally sure. made a meal of it. He rolled over about 10 different times. Like, it was like soccer. That sh- I didn't like seeing that getting rewarded, but it probably was a yellow card. It's a late hit and you can't do that. And then you have Shane Ryan coming out for Hurley's goal. How many times do we see goalies doing this, lads? And a flick. Brian Hurley is about five foot nine, ten. Great bit of player, but he's not tall. This is not a goal. This is dribbling into Shane Ryan's hands if he stays in the line. Straight down the middle. Why did he do it? We mu- I must ask a goalkeeper sometime. Why did he get that rush of blood to the head? He came way too far. And Hurley, who isn't a threat in the air, suddenly gets a flick down goal. I have no idea. Like it's it's probably one of the most frustrating things to see in the game at the minute. It's worse than a fisted hand pass. Uh, I don't know. I don't like it. Just fed up seeing a goalkeeper just abandoning the goal line, and it's always straight down the middle. Yeah, like so Hurley just has to touch it, and it just rolls straight down the middle. Yeah. Whereas if the keeper had stayed there, Hurley would have looked like a bit of a mug, and he was would have caught it. Yeah, you know? it would have been a miserable little tap yeah. on it. Like it wouldn't. But like, is there an ego thing here? Coming, I'm coming out to claim this. I'll take man and ball. I have to command me area. Command. Maybe that's what it is. It at. wasn't even in his area. You wouldn't have even criticized. Them for yeah. coming out that far and Brian Hurley. Yeah, I'd look at the 
they have a very, very short window, a split second to make the decision. It's, are, are, a, it's just a bad decision. Yeah. And, look, and maybe they want to get involved and do something. Yeah, like I don't know. Sometimes, yeah, it, it, it can be a concentration thing. But to be fair to Ryan, he's now made two bad errors in judgment in a, in a National League final and in a Munster final, and they've both cost Kerry goals. Um, that would have to be a bit of a concern, just that that decision making from him yeah I, I would be surprised if he came off his line again this season yeah because I don't know even what the reward the reward of it is but I think there might be a, a, a an element of truth to that that if you're standing there for maybe 50 minutes without being in the game that much you're like because if you're in the full forward line for example and you're being starved of possession you'll start making runs you know you shouldn't be making to get on the ball Correct, yeah. like I wonder is there an element of a goal you go ah here feck it, I've done nothing <laughs> like, I want to play well here all yeah. I've got is these kick outs I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm Everywhere sure. else on the pitch, it's, it's it's one up, one down. You know, if you saw two midfielders go up for the ball, yeah, it's, yeah. it's criminal. But like here, for some reason, it seems to be the fullback and yeah. the keeper. Going. Well, Morley was just kind of wrestling with him, you know. But Morley yeah. had him under control. Morley's a very good player. Michael Murphy was very lucky not to get a red, lads. That was a red for me. That was reckless. He lifted his, his foot and his knee up and he made contact. And he's very lucky that the Galligan didn't make a huge deal out of that because if he'd done what the Cork player did Murphy could have got sent off of course Desi Dolan didn't think there was anything in it at all um, Desi was calling points that came directly from a goal a goal kick out he was calling them counter attack uh, counter attack moves some of the things Desi was coming out with the other day like he told us that he told us when the rain came that it would make conditions slippy for the players <laughs> like I mean I don't know I don't know I started to think I'd take Tom Carr back at this stage <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do you want me to talk about Michael Murphy or Desi Murphy, yeah. Murphy. the long range points from distance was another classic from, <laughs> from Desi but yeah the Murphy was very late as well you know when he showed the replay it was there was no business really going in like that that late you don't you don't it was reckless it was, and it was, it out was of a control. reckless and clumsy tackle yeah. and and he lifted his foot up to make contact with him yeah he did I, I don't think he he meant to leave one on him we'll say yeah I think it ended up being a little bit clumsier than what he would have wanted he sort of was reaching for the ball in an awkward manner and 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 moving forward but Murphy Murphy's an interesting character because he's just a big bully on the field oh yeah and he's he, leaving it on a lot of people he is yeah and he is and he's he's playing right on the edge there and he's he's getting away with a bit of stuff that maybe other players don't get away with maybe he's just a little bit more subtle at doing it he's he's um, and the way he carries himself is maybe slightly different to other players as well. Yeah. He has a clean cut reputation, but he's definitely uh, he's definitely putting himself about uh, in a very physical manner on the field. He definitely and is. He's sailed close to the wind now a few times that it's yeah. uh, it's probably only an inevitability that he's going to get gate before the end of the season. Yeah, I think he he definitely is. I have to give Ryan McHugh a shout out who was into no play acting the last day. He played really well. What's really annoying me about the game at the moment, if you watch around off the ball, the constant push players pushing each other in the chests. So you're trying to get momentum to come up and a lad's facing you that way. Dublin do this as well. Most players are doing it, like Sir Ryan McHugh. And he just might make one run forward and he's just being pushed back in the chest. And like he's just taking it and going again. And he's being pushed again. They're all at it. It's happening in Dublin Mead in the Dublin Mead game as very, well. Very, very annoying. It's, it's, thing. it's very annoying. Yeah, it, very it, annoying. I was playing Masters the other, the other day, and I just saw it, this didn't really happen too much when I was playing. And it just—it's like Jesus. It really pisses you off. You've made a run, and now you've been checked, and it saps energy out of you. Now I know these lads are super fit, but I couldn't be dealing with that. And oh, linesmen need to keep their eye on it, and because it's an eyesore on the game as well. You can see it going on all over the place. 
and it has to be stamped out of the game because does, it's gone yeah. crazy it does, on it. Yeah, it's um, look, it's it's just uh, I I know why defenders are doing so it. Do I, I, I know yeah. why people are doing it, but it's it's a fairly clear and obvious foul it's off clear the ball. Foul, yeah. I mean, as soon as you lay your hand on a fella like that, it should be a taker. You should be warned, and if you're if you're caught doing it a couple of times, you should be booked. Yeah, and Some I know are doing it's it off very the ball. aggressively. Yeah, like that's the are. thing. It, it this isn't a thing of a guy putting his arm across a fella and then running with him and. He's, you know, his arm is on him, but like this is, yeah, aggressively. Um, that's all. It's it's a bit of macho man stuff going on. Um, and maybe, look, maybe that sort of stuff is always. It's just part of the physical confrontation of the game. But no matter what, linesmen are looking at this, and it's it it's an obvious foul, yeah. and they're just not doing anything about it. Like the selective implementation of the rules by match officials is the biggest problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's an obvious foul on a player like Ryan McHugh who's a clear danger man on the other field who likes to come from deep it's not it's no different what he's doing to Ryan McHugh there than to a full back full back line just having a handful of a jersey yeah. it's the same thing it's a, it's a foul that is stopping an offensive player doing what he does best it's do a you black, know what I mean it's a black card that's yeah. what it is it's a third man tackle so we'll probably just take a referee to grow a set and actually just give somebody a black card for it even if it's off the ball if it's just Ryan McHugh who's not involved yeah yet. Like, you know, that would but also this is what the, what it leads to happening by, by officials not implement the rules as they are what it leads to is play acting because um, a player goes to make I a agree. run off the ball I agree. and he's getting pushed and pushed yeah. and pushed and then the next time he goes to make the run he's going to have to bring attention he'll to this fly back yeah. so like, yeah. he'll, he'll let a roar or he'll go to ground and all of a sudden that incites other stuff and we don't want that so it's fairly obvious. Like, officials, do your job. Yeah. Like, just Lions implement the rules. Like. Linesmen especially, like, I mean, they're the extra eyes, umpires. This has to be stamped out because it's gone, it's gone, it's very, very, very noticeable in all games now. And if you, you, all you have to do is just watch behind where the ball is and you'll see three examples potentially of it being just fellas' runs being blatantly pushed back into the chest. Um, anyway, yeah, I wanted to mention Leash's win. They did a br- they had a great win away to Derry, Conan, in your face. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, uh, John Sukru took off Dennis Boot at half time after playing brilliantly in the first half, apparently, because he was on a yellow card. And this is an interesting one. Um, John Sukru said, Dennis Boot set the temperature for us. Without a shadow of a doubt, he was the lad um, that set the temperature in the first half with his physicality. And he just got the yellow card. And unfortunately, we're playing against the wind and we couldn't take the gamble of going down to 14. Unusual for a manager to take off a player playing brilliantly because he went on a yellow. Because I remember back with Miko's time, he was trying to get the discipline being a big thing with us and if you're on a yellow you're coming off right so this was his rule now this happened to a few different players but then Joe Higgins or Tom Kelly Tom got Kelly one, gets yeah. a yellow and he stays on and the whole thing goes to bed like I mean if you're going to do this you have to be consistent against it but like Leash obviously did very well against the wind but I just thought like I, I, you don't often see an example of that of a player on a yellow playing really well getting the line at, at half time yeah no. I was, going to th- I was thinking it was the equivalent of missing training. You know, if you don't train, you're not going to play. But then Keem Ward misses training and he still <laughs> plays anyway at the weekend. It is, guys. One of the one of the classics of obviously RTE and their cameras. The, the one camera, basically like an iPhone at the Kildare Antrim game, and then they had a similar setup in Derry, a little bit better, but just the one camera as well. And uh, so the, Shane McGuigan scored a point in the second half, and there was confusion with the umpires and a controversial moment. And of course, the camera wasn't set up high enough to be able to see this. <laughs> So then I was wondering, why include that even in your report? The camera didn't catch it. It just looks completely shoddy and unprofessional. 
the game wasn't won by a point. We didn't necessarily need to leave this controversial point even in uh, it because the camera didn't actually go up to, to see it. <laughs> that was definitely over. I had a good view of it. It was definitely over. <laughs> um, Tyrone have reverted to defensive football. Now, I, it, I didn't see much evidence on it on the highlights, but you're only seeing scores that might be the end of moves. So Sean Cavanagh said they went back. Um, Kieran Whelan had said it as well um, on the earlier show. I don't have much of a problem with this. This has served Tyrone very well in the qualifiers. They've blow teams away with their counter-attack game. They still have that other game plan, if needed, against a Dublin team or a Kerry team that will allow that game be played. Tyrone definitely learned their lesson of having more than one game plan against Donegal. So I don't really have a huge problem with Tyrone going back to their defensive football. They know it won't beat Dublin and I don't think they'd play it against Dublin. But it seems to work against everyone else, so why not? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think you also have to factor in that it's uh, <clears throat> it's after defeat, which was probably morale sapping for them. So a little bit of going back to basics for Tyrone and going back to what probably suits a lot of their players, maybe, you know, in terms of they have great ball carriers and great runners from deep. And in McShane, in the full forward line, like even when he's isolated by himself, he's fantastic. His movement is unbelievable. Yeah. He's got great physicality. And... It frees up maybe the likes of Matty Donnelly and Peter Hart to, I suppose, do the eye-catching things that we've all seen them do over the years, which is generally from deeper in the field. Yeah, um, and and also flooding bodies back when you're the when you're the uh, the dominant team against an underdog, I can understand why they would do it because it just takes the risk. Uh, it takes a lot of risk away from from themselves in terms of getting caught for a couple of goals. Yeah, no, it definitely does. There's no doubt. You can imagine, you can you can picture them getting a run through the qualifiers again. Like, I mean, you, you'd fancy, we'll, we'll talk about that um, at the on Wednesday about the Kildare game. But like, definitely. And McShane seemed to get plenty of ball as well. So they're working it up to an area. If you're playing fairly defensively, you might meet another defensive uh, system on the other side, but they have the option of maybe giving him a high ball, which they wouldn't have had with Mark Bradley well, and that, McCurry that, and all these. So that, it has added another string to last year not enough to beat Dublin putting one man in front of him. You need two or three lads in there yeah. to get the most out of the Dublin fullback. Well, the one then. difference that they have, like in, in previous years, they never kicked the ball. Or, or they certainly, their, their ratio was very low in terms of kicking versus hand passing. Whereas there's definitely an obvious trend that they're trying to kick the ball into McShane as, as, a, as a ball winner inside. And even the, the dangerous little crossfield passes, 20, 30 metres, didn't really do them at all. It was all through the hands and hand pass, hand pass, all the way up with coming in pods of runners. So even with, even with them dropping bodies back, while they may not be kicking it to a link man in the half forward line, they're carrying it up the field, but they are still trying to, well, look, it's only on the basis of the yeah, limited yeah. highlights we saw, they did still get a number of kick passes into McShane. Yeah, no, they definitely did. So Malik O'Rourke stood down, the last one before we move into part two, lads. Um, very good manager, did brilliant stuff. Very good Monaghan team he had as well, to be fair, and he had some match winners on the team, one in Ulster in 2013 and 2015. Um after seven years, after those two losses, it's not a really surprise to see him kind of... They didn't build on last year. In fact, they looked like they had gone way back for whatever reason. And just off the analysis, it did look like they weren't working very hard. Like, I mean, Jamie Clark, how he got out of that uh, group of players yeah. to be able to set up a goal. Like, I mean, Christ almighty, if Jamie Clark stuck in around four players, he, ca- he's not, he shouldn't be getting out. That's overcarrying free down. So that, I think that just summed... Potentially Monaghan up this year, and that's it. Two Wiley brothers very, there as well. Wiley brothers. I'm very lucky not to be relegated this year too. Lost to Ross Common. It yeah. was only uh, Ross Common lost 
to Cavan, which they wouldn't have expected to, would have seen Monaghan go down to Division 2 as well. Might, might be uh, a bit basic, but like it just seemed to me this year that it sort of came to the end. And sometimes you just get, I don't know if bored is the right word, but of hearing the same voice and you might need new ideas or just some yeah. sort of fresh approach. And especially going so far last year and playing so well in the semi-final and then to come back and have to do it all again, hearing the same guy and the same ideas. Sometimes you just need to move on for both people. Yeah, he's very highly rated. He never, I mean, just in interviews, I know you can't tell from interviews, but he never strikes me as being madly inspirational or anything. Maybe he's just, that's his persona in front of the, in front of the cameras, do you know? But it's hard, it's hard to know. Yeah, it's very difficult. To, and it'll be interesting to see what happens next, both for Monaghan and for, and for Malachi O'Rourke, because as you mentioned, he's very highly regarded. Um, his reputation has been hugely enhanced um, with the job he's done with Monaghan and he's had fantastic success with Monaghan. Uh, so yeah, look, at, at this point in time, you would say it's probably run its course in terms of the, the highlight being getting, you know, getting such a good run in the All-Ireland series last year um, on top of two Ulster titles. So this season has been a disappointment for Monaghan. So Interesting to see whether they'll be able to go to the well again in the future. Like They do have a, a number of good young players, whether they're at the same level of the guys that went ahead of them. Look remains to be seen. Yeah, no, exactly. Right, we'll come back and we'll have a look at these provincial finals. I said, are you want to get up or are you want to stay in bed? I said, we have a game there about half three. If you, <laughs> if you, if you, wouldn't, mind, if you wouldn't mind joining us. <laughs> didn't even start like, didn't even go for the back. Took his line, took his extra five minutes. It was like, it was like the snooze button. Hit the, hit the snooze button for another five minutes. Rolled out of bed. One seven that day. So we'll start with Donegal Cavan. There's no particular order on this because Donegal hammered Cavan. Um, Dublin hammered Mead and Kerry Cork was actually the best game so maybe I should have started with Kerry Cork Donegal Cavan maybe alph- alphabetical order maybe we'll start with um, anyways Mickey Graham was saying after the game uh, we will not cover up anything a lot of things we talked about didn't happen for us today especially in the first half we got turned over at times against a team like Donegal and that counter-attack you're going to get punished every single time and that's what happened and that is what happened and I can't understand it that it's been flagged up that Donegal are playing counter-attack right so if a team's playing counter-attack and they're actually dropping off you they're not putting pressure around the field well then relax on your attack wait until you get up a little bit further and have enough bodies to get through them Cavan were going in ones and twos and it was like a little bit frantic from them and it wasn't clever and the amount of times Donegal were able to turn them over and get bodies around them that shouldn't really happen you shouldn't be coughing up turnovers to teams anymore we've moved on past that that's why we're usually analysed that those systems are a little bit outdated now Donegal are clearly turning around and running the other way and conceding possession up until outside their 45 now they might be coming out and putting a bit more pressure than years before not staying completely inside it but at the same time, you have to be controlled in your attack against that defensive system. And if you're going in ones and twos, you're gone. And if you're kick passing, you're pretty much gone as well. Yeah, well, I think they, Cavan, probably due to the fact that Donegal went a couple of scores ahead, Cavan probably panicked a little bit, made a couple of mistakes, and then they lost their composure, really. And it took them a long... The game was over before they kind of got their composure back. Yeah. That's just the way it went. There um, was no. This game wasn't in any way close. No. No, it wasn't. It, 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 Cavan were never in the game. No. Donegal 
got a couple of turnovers early on, clipped a couple of scores and really played the game on their own terms for the large majority of the game. And look, when the game was over near the end, Cavan got a couple of scores. That That's kind of the way the game went. And Donegal could have run in a number of, a few more goals if they really had the ambition to do so near the end when they flicked a couple of points over the bar. Um, but it's it's an interesting approach that Donegal have taken in some respects with Hugh McFadden playing as the sweeper and he handled an awful lot of ball and actually drove forward a little bit more than we had seen him in, in previous matches to, to reasonably good effect at times. Yeah. Um, but they just had, they had more class in possession, Donegal, more natural footballers, yeah. more natural forwards. Um, By far a better team. And yeah. Interestingly enough, and they didn't com- cover this on the co-commentary, obviously because Desi isn't uh, great at the co-commentary, let's be honest, but Jared Smith was picked corner forward and he's a wing back. So he went back wing back, which freed up Conor Mine at the sweep, right? So that's very obvious. So they gave Donegal an easy option sweeper. So that was a conservative move by uh, Mickey Graham. At half time, they took off Jared Smith and brought on a forward to score two eleven in the second half. Now, I'd love to have seen some crit- criticism of Mickey Graham for going so conservative and handing that first half initiative to Donegal instead of maybe saying going for it. But that's the culture of Ulster football. We know that it's let's try and do something about them rather than let's try and go and win the game. So he should be criticised very strongly for that move. And then corrected the move and then Cavan performed better. Now, I know it was a late goal, but it still scored 2-11. Even if it was 1-11, it's great scoring in the second half. Why not just have gone for the bloody thing? And then it's their final. You don't get to them that often. Just go out and don't pick a wing back and try to be clever. And he said it was a tactical move. It was a tactical move, but it wasn't a good tactical move. Because mm-hmm. Donegal are going to give you Mina as a spare man anyway with the way their half-forward line plays. So you'll, have the, you'll be given the sweeper by Donegal, yeah. you know? And Donegal want to play this game as well, so why are you trying to beat them on the terms that they've set? Like, yeah. it's, it's like what we always say about Dublin, like they'll beat you at the running game. Like Donegal obviously want to, want to stretch you, they want you to come into their lair and then they'll overrun you going forward on a counter-attack. So it is very strange that they did hand on that and didn't bring their own sort of purpose to it or their own sort of Cavan-esque uh, style that they wanted to go out and win the match. My... The big thing I, I sort of thought was very impressive, and I don't think Desi picked up on it, was just bringing McFadden Ferry on and telling him they follow. That was a great move. And even a smarter move was when Stephen Murray came on at halftime, and he's a speed demon. Yeah. They brought on Darrell Whale yeah. the minute he made two good runs. Darrell Whale's on man marking him. I love little things like that, and they seem very obvious, mm. but you don't see it enough. But McFadden Ferry, remember him with Guidor? Yeah, he was a torturous it. fella to mark, yeah. and he was perfect for O'Reilly. And I think it's his Donegal debut, you know, playing in an Ulster yeah. final, <laughs> playing debut. a game like that. But they say he's the best marker in Donegal. So obviously he showed, he showed well. Was that a Stephen Rochford bit of influence? Well, look, maybe I'm giving Stephen Rochford too much credit <laughs> altogether because I thought Donegal would mix up the st- their style of play a little bit. That won't beat Dublin. Donegal need to understand that because Donegal blew Cavan away. Donegal are good at a counter-attack. Donegal are big and strong. Dublin are bigger and stronger. Dublin are faster. Dublin are fitter. Dublin are better at a running game than any other team. And the the analysis of the last few years is you have to do something different than what Donegal are currently doing. If Donegal drop off Dublin like that, do you think Dublin will just madly go up in ones and twos? Dublin will be calmed down. Let's go into mode, defensive mode. And now Kieran Kilkenny, get the ball to Kieran. He'll slow everything down for us. That's it. That's what they'll do. And then they'll pick holes in Donegal. They won't give Donegal the turnover. So now Donegal are like throwing against Dublin going, shit, our main source of exciting football is gone now. So now we're going to meet Dublin, who are tracking all our runners and doing all that pushing and watching and all that kind of thing. 
they can't beat Dublin with that. Now, I do think against Dublin, they will try to mix it up a bit. I would just like to see more evidence of it now because I even think the kicking game we saw from Donegal last year, we're, not, we're seeing much less of that this year. Yeah, well, to give them their due, they've, 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 they've hammered, hammered her, Tyrone by four points yeah. and they've hammered Cavan by but four they've points. They've hammered their way through Ulster before Donegal yeah, no, has, I, I, you know, I and that. it hasn't, come, hasn't done them any good. I think that, look, Cavan were quite naive as well. I mean, they conceded a number. It, 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 look, it looked like they conceded a number of scores from Patton's kickouts. Oh, they did? These long kickouts over the top. Or counterattacks, as Desi calls Yeah, them. so, I mean, <laughs> that, that would be a concern. Again, you're, you're playing with a, a sweeper, yet you're still getting caught, you know, in that, in that sort of manner on the opposition's kickouts. So it's, it's a... Cavan made a, a couple of what appeared to be tactical errors... And uh, and it, it it allowed cheap scores for Donegal, which look it just killed them. They got no momentum in the game. Two eleven in the second half is very impressive. Though. Yeah, no, but they did brilliant under kickouts, and it did. That's one thing Donegal did change up from the last day because the analysis they did in the Sunday game was very good on that. And they're isolating two one and ones either side, and they were a lot deeper than than the, the Tyrone game, which were let's all move inside and break out. And we were saying last Thursday that any good management team will analyse that and be expecting it. You nearly have to change your, your goal kick, your kick out strategy game on game, realistically, don't you? And you're catching them. And by the time team cops on to what you're after doing, you know, you get a few scores off them, which was fantastic. And Patton has a brilliant kick out and a long kick out if needed. You know, he's got great variety to his kick out. And I think Cavan struggled badly on their kick outs. Um, their kickouts weren't great. Donegal won all the kind of breaking ball around the middle. I think they won six of Cavan's. Uh, yeah, Donegal have a lot restarts. of big, big physical players. Langan's rangy, Thompson's yeah. rangy. Jason McGee's having a great season. Yeah. He's a great. He's a great. He's very up and coming, and has actually finally showed on the promise. McFadden's turned into a real bull of a man altogether, and then you've Murphy in the mix. Yeah. You don't want to be going long on your kickouts with Donegal at the moment. Yeah, those kickouts uh, that Keane's talking about of Patton's sort of are the only thing that I can see will work against Dublin anyway because like, Dublin obviously pushed so they many do up that press, yeah. I think Cavan had 10 up at one stage and then he got a bit spooked they had like 3, 3 and 4 but then the ball's going over the top of, of 10 of them yeah. you know there's only 4 defenders left so yeah. like, that's the one thing that excites me maybe if Dublin commit 12 players forward the counter attack kick out is the new strategy in Gaelic football <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, the <laughs> but the thing about like, Dublin I remember sure this was analysis from 2014 this is how Donegal beat Dublin back then because Dublin were madly doing that press. Mm. Dublin have been spanked by that. They're not falling for that anymore. Yeah. Like, I mean, they are very, very aware of the long kick out. You know what I mean? They're, that, that's not, this is not new analysis because the analysis back then was, geez, if they're all pressed up, we're going long, not they make might, sense. I, I think they might get caught once. I think the, the distance that Patton can get on his, on his kickouts is fairly impressive. And I think you might get, you might catch any team once with, with one of these that goes very long. And after that, I mean, a team shouldn't really be getting caught over the top on a kickout. You know, it can happen once because, you know, guys are maybe not expecting it, but definitely not on a second occasion. And particularly when you consider how dangerous Donegal are, Dublin are probably more than happy to let Donegal have the ball in the cornerback position. Yeah, I thought Stephen Murray, when he came on for Cavan, uh, showed a lot of pace and would be good in their game. Keen Mackey should I'd I'd be starting him. They just didn't click at all up front. Darren McVeady had a good second half. In fairness to him, he came into it and battled well. Gerard McKiernan uh, did well 
Uh, Killian Clark's just a very good player. Did well on Murphy's, did as well as most players um, kind of would do. I really like him. I don't know, just Kevin, look, you don't want to be down on them because I would love to have seen the game against Armagh when they were actually excellent, but they were not excellent here. They were very poor and I think Mickey Graham has to shoulder some of the blame for the very conservative tactics in the first half. Um, and I think that also Conor Brady should take some of the some of the blame for actually fist passing that pint over early, which could have set the tone completely for Cavan and given him that inspiration. And Cavan crowd just couldn't get behind him. They had a great crowd there, but Donegal just professionally put them away and sucked any life out of them. And they didn't really get going until the end when maybe it was when a bit When the game too, was over, really. Yeah. And look, unfortunately for Cavan, they were the underdogs going into the game against superior opposition. And they had a couple of half chances and some decent chances that they just didn't take. I mean, they could have had two goals in the first half. Uh, Conor Rehel missed a goal chance as yeah. well where he caught the ball. Poor effort, yeah. yeah. You know that should have that should have been a goal, and at least he went for it. Yeah, and Conor Brady coming through. I mean, that time it, he just needed to flick a hand pass to his left, and it was an empty net that was for on whoever too. was beside him. So, look, they had they they created in, in sporadically they created these sort of chances almost by fluke. I mean, the 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 Conor Rahel chance was created from a miss hit shot. So, look, they were getting up the field, but there was no real sort of cutting edge to them no. in that way. It, it was a, a little bit lucky and then they couldn't capitalise on it and they needed to, to, to really challenge Donegal. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I have time for Stephen Murray scoring that goal at the end and celebrating it like it was the winning goal. Did you see him? <laughs> yeah, he yeah, went, yeah. ah, brilliant. Like, that was just to bring it back down to four time was up. It was yeah, pretty but, much the last play of the game. Do you know what? It reflects on a fella who, who comes into a game Yeah, and does really well. Yeah. And yeah. And really brought something to the he occasion. Did. And in fairness, he was he was he was a shining light really for Calvin in terms so. of the performance, yeah. I would have thought. I, I thought so too. It was, it was very good. And it was a brilliant goal too, because that's not easy what he did there, deflecting that into the into the net. So that was excellent. So Kerry Cork, lads, this was a big surprise considering this game started like Donegal Cavan. And Ker- Kerry were coasting. I was like, Jesus, they've beaten the handicap of six already, because I had tipped all three uh provincial finalists to beat the handicap. And uh, Jesus, I don't know. Kerry have got a soft, soft uh, centre. There's no doubt about that. Like, I mean, their defending at times is absolutely terrible. I thought it was criminal. Cork won 20 of their 24 kickouts. Now, you don't have to be a genius to know what killed Cork last year was their kickouts. So Cork brought back a sweeper. Um, they freed they freed up. Uh, I think it was a man White. They brought back. Yeah, Sean White. Yeah, they brought him back as a sweeper. So w- Kerry reacted to that by leaving Sherwood back as a sweeper. Now, I don't know what Sherwood was doing. I would like to have been at the game, but they were just bursting through the middle. So if, he, if they were bursting through the middle, Sherwood should have held maybe the centre-half back position. But he didn't. He must have gone way back in too deep. They were just coasting down through the middle. But the big knock-on effect was that Cork, having struggled so badly last year under kickouts, got 20 out of 24 away. That's criminal now by the Kerry management to allow Cork their weakest, weakest thing they had last year, pin them in. And they allowed him a sweeper and a short kick out. I don't know. That's a weird one. Yeah, it, it, it was surprising. I mean, look, Cork, Cork always had a foothold in the game because they had this possession. Because they were able to retain their own kick out. Yeah. It meant that they were able to work the way up the field at times quite slowly and ponderously. But nonetheless, they had the ball. So they were able to keep themselves in the match. And um, yeah, they just eventually they were able to start punching a couple of holes in the carry defence. And um when you reflect on last year's game and the dominance that Kerry had in that middle sector, it is a surprise that 
Cork, now look at times Cork did better when it when it was kicked to a contest. I think that Cork's attitude, I thought they've they battled much harder than we saw them in in the corresponding fixture last year. So yeah. look, they they will take plenty of positives from it, but it's up to them to see if they can back up this performance again the next day out. Well, that's it, yeah. But like I mean, they, they, it looked like they were kind of how we predicted it. And then just that bit of inspiration, a goal, and then the crowd got behind him. And now we, suddenly we had a Munster final. And I think that kind of competitive streak took over in Cork and they just started fighting kind of really hard against Kerry. But I think that it was uh, like Sean Cavanagh mentioned on the Sunday game. I recorded it and watched it this morning there and he was saying that Kerry should go defensive. And they shouldn't go defensive. Like, I mean, for, for, they have defensive weaknesses. There's no doubt about that. They're physically not big enough. They don't have the man markers. Jason McGee hasn't turned into the mar- a man marker at all. He's more of a footballer. Their whole half back line are, not, are more uh, footballers than markers. And you've only got Tyg Morley, really, that has got good defensive kind of man marking qualities that I would see. Peter Crowley, if they're, if they're talking about him being a big loss as a man marker, something he's not, then you know that they've got problems with that. But if Kerry go defensively, they won't get the most out of Clifford, they won't get the most out of Geeney, and they won't get the most out of Stephen O'Brien and all these fellas. So Kerry ha- are going, regardless of what, whether you want to criticise this, this is a philosophy and they're going to go, yes, our defence isn't good. It's not good. And we all know it's not good. And it, like they, there should never have been a goal come off that throw ball. Like, I mean, give me a big... And Rory Dean getting on the ball, their most, most dangerous player, and just waltzing through them. Like, their defence is terrible. But if they start dropping forwards back which they don't want to do because their forwards are too good Kerry have to be of the mindset that okay you're going to score against us but we're going to outscore you because their strength is their forwards so I think it's not going to do them any good by saying I'm going to take some of our strongest side of our field and to help the other one and take away from what we have in the full forward line do you know what I mean yeah. like, and, and anyways their half forward line is a working half forward line like O'Connor should be working harder. Their two midfielders should be working. Like Sean O'Shea drops back and gets in yeah, and around Minehan working. Drops like, deep. Minehan Stephen O'Brien pops out. Like most of the time, they only really a lot of the time they only end up with Clifford inside. Sometimes Clifford, Clifford and Gainey. Well, it would be Clifford yeah. and Gainey, and yeah, they do need that link man. But they Kerry are more than happy to go with three up front, one on the forty-five, two inside, and the other supposed to be working hard and defending. They're just not able to do it. Yeah. I would have blamed Sherwood and a lot of those ones. Is in what was he doing as the spare man to allow these midfielders bomb forward? Yeah, and but it's the positioning of their players. They, they at times because they are look they're marking man to man or whatever, and that's all well and good. But there are times when Kerry's defenders are blindly following their men into yeah. positions where they're yeah. not a threat and not dropping off. Them. That's bad defending. Like. Again, it's just decision making to 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 plug the gaps to see what's the worst thing that could happen here as a lad could step inside and get a goal. So you have to sometimes maybe make the decision to leave your own man to try and plug that gap, and maybe it gets recycled and your man kicks a point. But you have to do that because yeah. that's what that's what you need to do to stop conceding goals. Yeah. Like. But that's it. And like, I mean, you have a situation where you've got the six backs. So like I would have played wing back, and we've met, we've touched on this to show before. So my man's outside me on the sideline and the ball's coming down the other side of the field. I'm not standing touch tight on him. I've come in the field 15 metres, I've an eye on him, but I'm allowing maybe the centre-back to drift across there, and the only thing that's going to catch me out is an unbelievable ball straight across the field, and that's not going to happen. So I'm watching, and I'm maybe going to double up and help somebody that needs it, the centre-back, if he needs help. And you have to take that risk. Do you come in, help out, leaving him free? Now, you could get caught, but you should still be goal side of him when you come back out and he might score a point. I don't see Kerry players drifting off their men. 
Like, I mean, I remember Aidan Fenley and Joe Higgins years ago, back just when the most basic fuck, <laughs> the most basic <laughs> tactics used to be the two corner forwards would run from one corner to the other. So I remember Aidan Fenley saying to Joe Higgins, Joe used to follow his man all the time, and Aidan says, stop. I'll stay where I am, you stay where you are, and they'll run to us. Like, and I was just watching them boys, and they're figuring out this behind me in a big game in Croke Park, stay where you are. And the two Clare lads just used to run across the field and run towards them. Yeah. Do you know? But I don't see Kerry pawning players off to each other. I don't see them picking up the dangerous men, not just... They're, they're just not good instinctive yeah. uh, defenders. Not a defensive unit. And it's, it, it is. We said this last year. they keep year. chopping and changing. They don't have a... a, a they don't have a definite defence anyways, do yeah. they? And maybe that's why, but there is that attitude in Kerry. It's like, if it's not my man, it's not my problem. And that's why they're following their men out to the sideline, even though like, there's somebody coming straight through the middle. And yeah. that's why there's none of that passing off players and staying in their zones or whatever else. And they've no... What I think is a huge problem. They have no convincing leader of a centre-back because he usually orchestrates things. He's the middleman. He's yeah. the one. And they've no centre-back. Do you know what I mean? They have no, no in, in, a, in a way that uh, Keen O'Sullivan is for, for someone Dublin like that, someone who's a specialist centre back. He's, he's dictating what happens. He's, yeah. he's you know he's getting his wing backs to tuck in if they need to tuck in. He's getting his midfielders to drop in. He's you know that sort of stuff, and it, it is a very very important role. It a, is a, a linchpin of the defence. Really, is your centre half back? And look, the difficulty is on the field in big games trying to figure it out it's it's too late these are things that are worked on on the training field and it's repetition uh, you know in match in match situations of how you deal with certain scenarios as a, as a group of six defenders you know there's so many drills and, and practices done now with players where you have maybe eight defenders against five forwards and it's all working on that sort of thing but I'd say it's a rarity now where you might have four defenders against five forwards coming on them and yeah. see how do you do this lads yeah. how do you deal with the overlap yeah. you know do you back off the whole way and let the man on the ball kick it over the yeah. bar well then maybe that's the right thing to do yeah. well do that's know? what you should do yeah. you should concede the point you shouldn't rush out to him and exactly. let him put it over your head but that, that, again that's just poor defending a lot of the time but that's a great point that all of the forwards versus backs are with extra, extra backs yeah. it's never stretching them in one-on-one situations or what do I do if a man's bearing down in goals I don't think they're practising that are they? They're, they, they can't, it doesn't look like well, look, they are Well look the evidence would suggest that they're not That they're not Because when you see the evidence on the field it doesn't look like players are making those decisions it looks like they're blindly sticking to what they feel is the task yeah. And the task is my man. But and the task s- yeah. isn't solely your man if you're a defender or you're part of a defensive unit you're part of a team Yeah, The, the, the job is the overall collective yeah, so, and and it's it's hard sometimes. Sometimes you can see a guy and you think, oh, he made the wrong decision there. But you can, if you if you were to talk to a player afterwards and say, well, what did you do there? He he should be able to tell you, oh well, I I left my man because I thought your man, I thought the pass was going to the man on the inside, and I had to I was going to try and cut cut off the goal chance. You know, and it ends up getting recycling your man scores. But you should be able to understand why somebody has made a decision. Yeah, you're not you're not just blindly running after a guy. I remember I remember playing against Wicklow in the championship, and I was marking that fella Kieran Highland, and I got nothing easy off him. I was making crappy runs straight out the wing, and he was getting out in front of me. But he man marked me to a level I'd never been man marked before. Now I think Miko hadn't put up to it because obviously it was after uh, Miko managed us. But I remember one or two of the leash players running straight through on goals. And so I peel off and I am 
thinking Highland's going to go to him because he has to like or else it's going to be a goal and he'll pop it over and at least I'll get a score here this lad never went to that man yeah. to the point where I was getting so frustrated I started saying what kind of a team player are you <laughs> like I mean are you just going to allow him come through and score just so I won't I said is that all you care about and he didn't re- reply back to me at all because I started maybe thinking I'd get inside his head <laughs> and he'd at least be able to get it but it, the point I'm making is it's not too bad maybe him potentially or you have one lad earmarked to do that it's still not right he should have gone to the man and if you know what I mean or backed off to the point but he just cared about me being scoreless and didn't care about his team conceding the goal but if all six defenders have that in their minds you're gone yeah because all you need is a half back yeah you only have to beat one player and then you don't have any other defender to beat because they're all running around on wild goose chases out to the wings or who, some lad could be in clearing out space and this Egypt's gone out after him and suddenly you just have to beat one player. It's brain dead. And I definitely think there's coaching issues here because I do see a lot of drills with teams and it's always extra defenders. That's always what you're trying to do. And that drift defence of just the six defenders, sure, they don't know what that means because there's always, there's always yeah. two lads maybe plugging up a gap or whatever so you're just following your man. Yeah, it's the equivalent of attack. Like if some every one of your forwards want to shoot every time they get even a sight of the goals instead of passing it off to a better position, then we'd be calling all them out because there's better options to take, and you're supposed to be playing as an attacking unit as well to create goal chances or easier scoring chances. Yeah. So and I do think if we had if we had highlights rights, better highlights rights, you would be better analysis. And if you had two days and a Wednesday night analysis show, this is the stuff you could potentially point out where it's too. The turnaround to the Sunday game, in fairness, is probably a bit too short. You know what I mean? You're just getting some quick kick-out stuff and whatever and that. But I don't think the analysis maybe helps. And I don't think managers are doing enough analysis on it either by the looks of things. Because Kerry Kerry definitely don't look... this, This problem with Kerry defending is happening since Eamon Fitzmaurice was there. And Sean Kavanagh's answer last night was to put a few more bodies in there do you know well, what I mean would, it doesn't always have yeah, to be exactly. like that I do you're, think you're, their physical size is a problem but there's solutions outside of let's go back and just throw in an extra couple of zonal defenders yeah well that's why it would be extremely interesting to have a guy like Eamon Fitzmaurice on a, on a show like that where you're breaking things down yeah. you're, you're looking at the Kerry Cork game and you're pointing out and, and you're saying that you know Eamon obviously you were involved or whatever like what, what, what do you do here to prevent this from happening and the answer if the answer is uh, you know Bring our, our corner forward should be there. That's not the answer. Yeah, I think there. I think you need to exhaust a few more answers before yeah. that's your final. <laughs> that's your final answer. I don't know. Like, geez, lads, we've never got three games into part two here. Will we try and get a bit on Dublin Mead here? It's hard to know what to even say. We kind of mentioned it a little bit. Um, we mentioned a little bit at the start of the show. It's hard to know it's, what to say about this, Keen. Like, I mean, this is just a game Mead never had a chance of winning. Competed really well, Dublin off colour. Um, and then the class shone out at the end. I think the stat on Mead's um, chances, it was a bit like Leash against Mead actually in the semi-final. They just 12 wides. Um, I think they had a conversion rate of 16%. They had four in the goalie's hands and did a couple more, uh, I think, wide. I'm not sure, whatever. Yeah, look, in a game where Mead were, were obviously hugely up against it, for a lot of those players, their first exposure to play in Dublin and Croke Park, it was it was always going to be a very big day for, for a lot of the Mead players. 
you couldn't question uh, effort or endeavour or intensity that they tried to bring to the game. You know, they they really did all of those things and they did them really well. Particularly, I thought the full back line were very good. Conor McGill had a great start to the game. Shane Gallagher was very good. And Lavin played. They all played well. Yeah, they all, all played well. Them. Yeah. And look, as a defensive unit, Meade did very well without you know playing a sweeper as such. There was just a lot of huge kind of running power and effort from the team, and they were tight and tigerish. And Keown did well on Kilkenny. Absolutely. Well, like if you look at the Dublin forwards, I mean Kilkenny taken off because he was marked out of it. Like you know, there's a few players that are real go-to men from Dublin that didn't really feature in the game. Um, so they, they, so it's not all doom and gloom. That's, up that's front, a, they were terrible. Yeah, that's the but positive the con- side. But yeah. up front, up front, Mead were 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 kind of very poor. But there's definitely a lot of positives that Mead could take from the game from the from the first fifty minutes. And the last twenty minutes are irrelevant when the game is over. Yeah. You know, when you're losing by eight or ten points, the last twenty minutes don't. You know, they've no bearing because your spirit of your team is kind of broken. It's completely broken. But I do think they'd maybe show teams in some way that dropping off Dublin isn't the answer. So they can put pressure on them. They got their full-back line marking tight. They had turned Dublin over more in the first half, I'd say, than Tyrone playing defensively did in the All-Ireland final. Do you know what I mean? They, yeah. they, they, a bit like Mayo. And there's inspirational then, your cornerback wins it and the crowd cheers. Now, I think it actually was surprising how badly Meade did up front, considering yeah. they didn't pack the defence. Like, I would imagine if they packed the defence, you'd be saying, well, you know, they lost it the other side. So they did show, I think they showed in a little way how to play against Dublin and that you have to get the balance right. They got a lot of shots off. They didn't have the class. But this is the point I'm making that I think if Donegal, Galway, Kerry look at that Mead performance and go, how many attacks did Dublin get? have? How many did Mead have? Our forwards are much better than Mead. We're going to trust our full yeah, back line a little you, bit more. I'll tell you what the difference is. Most of the most of the other top teams don't have as good of defenders as Mead have, yeah, and that's the reality. Like Galway don't have a player near anywhere near as good as Donald Keoghan in their defence. You know, she, um, Conor McGill would start ahead of Sean Andy O'Kelly for Galway at fullback yeah. without a doubt. I didn't so, realise McGill was so, was a sticky on a on a yeah, player. Yeah, so like, like Mead have a good full back line and they have some they have some clever good defensive players like me, and that's been the basis of their their level of performance and consistency you know this season that they've been they've been really good and solid at the back and very competitive and early on in the year they've been able to do enough to get over the line in a lot of games by you know getting certain scores and a bit of inspiration at times from Killian O'Sullivan or James McIntyre breaking from deep you know and some good performance of that and Michael Newman being I suppose delivering on, on quality performance when he does get the supply just Mead had an inability the other day to get quality supply into those yeah. players. Now, Dublin are excellent at the back as well. So They only tried Newman with one high ball. Philly McMahon beat him for it. Next minute, Newman's out the field. Yeah. Like, Jesus, try it a bit longer than that. You know, or try, at least, I, the, coming out of Leinster final last year, at least, like, Leash got hammered by, I think, two points more, 18. But Leash caused them problems. Like, Mead caused them no real problems at all. But Leash had a clear tactic of leaving two big men inside and giving them good diagonal ball. And they won a lot of ball, but like Leash's end product up front wasn't as good. They scored 11 points against them. Just from that point of view, you'd be really disappointed with Mead, you know? Like, I mean. Well, it, w- it would be very interesting because, and I, I'd love to know what, what the, uh, what the, what the attacking strategy was for Mead to try and hurt Dublin because, you know, with the exception of, one one ball in at the very start, which looked like uh, which looked like one off the training ground, which was they, they won the throw, but went out to the wing to Conlon, and Conlon immediately, without even looking, yeah. 
could have played a diagonal crossfielder, which on another day could could have ended up in the net. So not a bad move, but there was no there was no discernible strategy um, on the evidence of the no. match. Now you know these things can be worked upon in training, and then it comes to the game, and all of a sudden Dublin have twelve men behind the ball every time you get to the halfway line. It's like well we can't do what we wanted to do now, and it looked like maybe that possibly was what happened that Mead were getting the ball up the field and whatever options that they were hoping to have just weren't available to them and they weren't able to create any openings because Dublin's one-on-one defending yeah. is just so good. And Killian O'Sullivan didn't get a kick by yeah, John Small. John yeah, Small's turning into an outstanding man-marker. Excellent man-marker, yeah. yeah. And like Davy Byrne did a good job on him at times as well because they just have the pace and strength um, to to stay with most players. And actually, was Michael Newman was the, was the one shining light really for me in that regard looked like the only player who was capable of of making any inroads and look at he blazed one over in the second half which unfortunately for him on a day like that again that needed run. to end up in the net but it was it was a good piece of individual play from from him um but that that's a reflection of of kind of where me they're at really in in terms of their attacking uh game at the minute against top class opposition I thought the decision to start Graham Riley was the right one I think it's easy to say after the game when he wasn't great but Mead needed a good start they needed to be in the game yeah. I think playing him wasn't about he was very disappointed going off but he hadn't been playing well uh, like, look, let's be honest look at the thing about it is Graham's an excellent player and he, he had four shots and he missed them all and he very rarely and he, misses and he, like, and he so rarely accurate. misses so I mean it was just one of those days for Mead where they needed all of those things to happen for them and unfortunately on the day for me that didn't happen and when you're playing Dublin and these things don't and you don't perform to your best uh, you end up with a with a very demoralising scoreline at the end like there's no doubt that Dublin Dublin are, have, have a huge degree of superiority, superiority over every team How not are they just so me. much fitter though? What's your thoughts on that? How are they so much fitter than other teams? Well you're always fitter when you're winning by 10 points and the game is over <laughs> with 10 minutes left I mean look, that's just that's just the reality like they didn't look like they were any fitter than Mayo when the game was in the melting pot with a couple of minutes left whereas we've seen Dublin in, in other games against Mayo where they're they're winning comfortably in a league match and Mayo are all out on their feet Yeah, when true, you're chasing true. the game so look there's no doubt Dublin's Dublin's conditioning is, is phenomenal because they've had years together as a group and they've been gradually building on it building on it building on it but it's their it's their quality of what they do more often than not, their decision making and all those sorts of yeah. things. I mean that that's that's and the instinct- thing. Yeah, they're instinctive defenders too. Like, they are. I mean, and they're kid- good defenders. They're good defenders who like defending and who are e- able to pawn lads off, are able to organise themselves on the field. I think that's where Kerry are probably struggling in that little bit. But again, I've said Kerry, I give them a puncher's chance against Dublin. Yeah. Just a puncher's chance. Um anyways, we'll come back for Paddy Power Performance of the weekend next. Come here, I want you to talk us through the goal you scored in the county final after 15 seconds. I want you to tell me when you had goal on your mind. Yeah, you've probably had a few 15 seconds experiences yourself. <laughs> uh, Paddy Power Performance of the Weekend, lads, and we're going to start with Jamie Brennan. A lot of these are forwards, lads. Usually I'm on a, I'm on a forwards performance of the weekend. Jamie Brennan won four from play, lads. This lad's um, a shoe-in. He's player of the year form, this fella is at the moment, if he has it. And the way, the, the speed of him, I don't see how he can be stopped. Like, there's a part of me wondering, and, and um, 
It was Ryan McHugh said in the interview after the game on the BBC because I'd flicked to the BBC from RT. I couldn't take it any longer. <laughs> and he said that he's Jamie's worked an awful lot on his finishing. You can kind of see that because I know he... Because um, he, he, he's, he's not a natural kicker of the ball. Not he doesn't terribly, look yeah. like a natural striker of the ball, but he's he's getting it there. It's not pretty, but it's it's effective. And look, another really good performance from him. And he's getting through a lot of work there at the minute in that role. He's playing kind of further out the field. Now, the Paddy McBrearty is, is the man inside. And um, they, so dangerous coming in from the wing there and coming late. That's it. Because he's got that low centre of gravity. He's a powerful upper body and he's just got such great pace that he just, and he goes for it. Like the the goal that he got, it was a goal chance and the goal was on, but a lot of players don't show that killer instinct to do what he did. So look, he deserves huge credit for me from that alone. He does. And uh, your man, uh, Michael Langan gave him a lovely little flick. He, the ball was coming into Langan there and he just broke it to that side. The ball didn't break to him. Langan knew what he was doing there, which was a lovely little bit of skill just to pa- give it off to him. But again, he gets the ball in his hands there. To, a goal's not on. No. Like That's why that, he's a huge plus for them because it, it, you need players that can get your scores when you're like, Jesus, I remember like just the good players on your team and they might get a score out of nothing and you're like, oh, thank God. That puts us two ahead now and we didn't even have to work that hard for it. You need that. Yeah. You need that class. And he put he put Conor Rahal on his ass as well, didn't he? For oh, one yeah, of the kickers, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just so aggressive, like just put put him to the turf, picked up the ball, set up Ryan McHugh, and again looked like such an easy score. That came from a kick out. He was aggressive enough to go for it, and McHugh had all the time in the world, and he saw it over. Yeah, counter attack kick out. Um, <laughs> so David Clifford, lads, I thought he was outstanding the other night. Not just in he scored three excellent points. He was underused massively. I thought should have got a lot more ball. Brilliant piece of skill on the end line where he flicked it up over, although I think that's just instinctive. It's not even, he had no choice but to kind of do it. It's there, he didn't bounce the ball very well, but look, yeah, he caught on it his was feet. The, it was the obvious thing to do, but it looked good. Yeah, yeah, it looked good, but it wasn't like, whoa, I've seen him do whoa things. That's just the ball came up a bit too high, so you just, uh, look, I, I'm not being smart. I could have done something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I never did, but like, I mean, I'm sure if the ball hopped up like that, you'd just flick it over. But anyways, that, it's quick thinking. But he had, he won a really good ball at the end where he needed to, a 50-50 ball to set up that Michal Burns um, point at the end. So, like, I mean, he has a great bit of fire in him. There's not much more we can add about David Clifford, but he was probably um, the best forward that uh, Kerry had the other night. Yeah, he kicked some great scores, showed a good bit of leadership. He doesn't miss on that side, does yeah, he's he? Just, he's just doing exactly what you're kind of expecting him to do now which is, you know, deliver a performance pretty much every day and and win his individual battle and cause problems. And, yeah, it's surprising that they just weren't able to get him into the game a little bit more because every time he was on the ball, he looked very, very dangerous. And, and really good decision-making from at the end to set up Michal Burns for yeah. the score because in that situation, he, he showed a lot of patience. He didn't snatch at the opportunity. He worked it across and made it a simple finish for Kerry. Yeah, and we've talked about his solos, how he solos them so low. Like, it actually looks so awkward. How is he running here while solo and so low? And he's just big hand goes down. And we were saying here before, I don't know, was it when you were here, he obviously evolved this through the years of cornerbacks just knocking it away. Like, you actually can't knock it away from him. He just solos maybe a foot. And brings his hand down to collect it before it comes back up. Um, Rian O'Neill, lads. Uh, John Cena celebration and the whole lot. We saw two John Cena celebrations because he scored two goals. He scored 2-1. He is the second top scorer in the championship with 2-19. Um, he's got that in four games. So that's not bad shooting for your, your debut season. Um, who's the top scorer in the championship, lads? Cormac Costello. 
I'm gonna go Dean Rock. <laughs> Every Adam, other year it's Dean Rock, yeah, no, but he's been injured. So Adam yeah. Terrell, one from Calair, one twenty six yes. from five games he has. So Neil's probably got a better um, a better average across four games. But like we like, I don't know. If there's not much more. We spent so much time speaking about Rian O'Neill as well. I love the little dummy, the composure he showed for his for first, first goal. Because again, yeah. when he does that, you say that's easy. One thing I'll say, when I was in that situation, I was lashing that with my left earlier doors. And like, you know, because when you're not used to it, that just came so naturally to him to go, right, bang, this bounce will bring me. That's Gucci. You know what I mean? That's, you would have bounced it there, King, because you'd composure. Like, but you would have found yourself in that situation a lot of times. Yeah, it was good composure because if he, if he snatched at it early, he would have been blocked. And yeah, it's just a neat finish. Just a neat finish. And look... It, you're right, like a lot of players are not in that position too often. So when they do get there, they do tend to panic or just try and absolutely lash the ball at yeah. the goals. Yeah. And yeah. And Eugene didn't want to give it to him either. He went yeah, for his own. Yeah. That ball was on to oh, him. He should have got that a lot earlier. Yeah, yeah. he only got it because he bloody made a balls of it himself. He got blo- Did he get blocked down in the end and then just yeah. threw it up? Um, Lee Keegan got three point slides in the second half when he was needed. We saw the last one of those three, which was a beautiful punched effort. Like it wasn't mad off the outside of the left, but it was just a, it was a, like a punched golf shot that just straightened up a little bit as it went over. He seems to have brought the attacking element of his game, and that's what it was with um, when James Horn was there. Now, I don't know, was he marking Caelan Mooney? Because he was causing all sorts of problems, so I don't know whether he deserves to be on this. <laughs> but without seeing the game, we don't know, was he marked Caelan Mooney's finish for his goal, Les, was beautiful. Yeah, lovely That's finish, so yeah. difficult to do. Yeah. So technically difficult to go that far and throw it off the outside of his boot and then missed one in the second half. Um, Lee Keegan, I'm not sure. Was he on Caelan or not? We are, we, we do, I don't have a producer. I am the producer, so <laughs> no one can tell me here in my ear. Um, Jack McCaffrey as well, lads. Two points. What a player this fella is. Like, I mean, no matter who you look at, the likes of Gavin White and these young fellas or lads from Carrier, nobody's in Jack McCaffrey's league as a wing back. Even Ryan McHugh's not in his league. Jack McCaffrey is just and a special player and he set the tone a bit in the first half when Dublin needed him yeah he did I mean the, the, the when he when he drops the shoulder and just oh. takes off I mean it's beautiful it's, to watch. it's a spectacular sight it yeah. is it's one of it's one of the it's one of the best things about seeing Dublin play is is Jack McCaffrey he's so exciting he's electric and the crowd and everything gets behind it yeah and he's so effective. <laughs> but he's brought a bit of physicality to his game. I think his defending has improved as well. He's no, not shy at giving him a lot of shoulder if he needs one. There's a bit of divilment in that, that way with him as well. And I was disappointed he hadn't passed the point because we've seen him rattle in some spectacular goals. He has that in his locker. So when Jack McCaffrey's doing it, lads, what chance do, <laughs> what chance do we have? I want to give Colin Murphy from Leash a shout out here, lads, because he had lots of chances against Mead. He's a very young player, very highly rated in Leash. He got three good um, points against Derry you know he had two good goal chances which he should be taking because he had goal chances against Mead as well but missed him but he is uh, he's, this is his debut season and people around the country will have noticed him do you know that kind of way you'll know yeah, neutrals like, will have gone there's Mur-. you know that, yeah, well, I, I how much more you can ask for it in, from a young lad like that to be totally agree against Mead I thought he was very impressive it was the first time I had seen him he's got a great power and pace and aggression to the way he plays yeah. shows for the ball a lot and he looks like a good forward you know? yeah, just his finishing balance. for goals just slightly let him down uh, against Mead particularly and the last day he, he scuffed one wide off his left but yeah and he the, had the one that he could have palmed in he's, that, he he's should still, be getting that he's still a, an, an absolute handful for any defender he's getting in for them he's he getting is, in yeah, for yeah. them so against Mead like it wouldn't be crazy to say he could have had bloody 2-3 and here like 2-3 three, three again so like I mean that's the level he's operating on so we're delighted with that in Leash Niall McNamee lads um, 
awfully look to be flying it. Like, I mean, they're playing a traditional type of football under under John Mohan and a, loads of kick passing you could even see from the highlights last night. Niall McNamee's goal came from a good ball straight down the centre. There was a sweeper there. McNamee caught it, turned and scored. Fantastic stuff. Mac, he make a big difference. I'm not sure if he was there for the league game um, against Leash. But you'd rather McNamee had retired it from a leash point of view. Like I mean, he's a he's a top he's a top quality player, and it's you have to give Offaly a little bit of a shout out. They should have beaten Mead. Yeah, like I mean, it's yeah. been a good season for them. End of the road now with leash waiting in the wings. Yeah, well it is, but it's going to be a great one. I think that's in Port Leash next Saturday night. I have a Masters game in Port Harlington at four. So oh, they should have, have it see. as a double header. It's a terror, <laughs> isn't it? Why would Jesus? Why wouldn't they get Desi down to do cool comms? Was. Wow, <laughs> the crowd could come in towards the end of our game. Be back like playing minor, wouldn't it? It'd be fantastic. Um, who's my Did last? Did you play minor for the county? <laughs> <laughs> have a look. Have a look there. <laughs> Um, Rory Dean lads I'm a big fan of Rory Dean like I mean if you were marking him now I don't know who was bloody marking him I don't think anybody was at times but you know you're into a contest this lad's a big physical fella who is fast and like I mean has great fire in his belly like if anyone's going to lead Cork out of the doldrums it's players like that fella because he's infectious like he I think he'd make any county team in the half forward line a combative centre half forward that can do all anything you want in the modern game yeah, look, he's he's um, he certainly always put in a decent performance against Kerry. You know, even last year he was he was punching holes and doing well. Very very powerful straight line runner. Yeah, yeah, really very hard is. to stop. And very good in the air and very good worker. Yeah, and I think he's probably set a template for other teams to play against Kerry. Just bloody get at them. Get at them, yeah. Him and O'Hanlon just going straight down the middle. Yeah, no, and Sherwood know her to be seen. <laughs> we'll have to wonder where he was. Right, listen, that's it, lads. We'll pick. Uh, I think Jamie Brennan. Um, he deserves it. One four in an Ulster final. One was it? What was it? Donegal got in the end. One twenty four was it? Yeah. Serious scoring. In fairness to them, but um, you couldn't imagine that counter attack game doing too well um, in the Super Eights against better teams. Anyways, Jamie Brennan, congratulations, your performer of the weekend. That's it, lads. We'll be back on Wednesday this week. We have a live show on Turles on the hurling show so we'll be doing a hurling show and a football show on Wednesday in the studio here and then we'll be in Thurless on Thursday night so we'll talk to you Wednesday good luck The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power home of the GA Hour football ACA I'm not finished yet it took me a long time to get here both parents have, have spoken with each other and uh and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.